You're listening to the ADMS podcast. I'm Natalie Campbell, and in today's episode, we're highlighting another panel from the 2022 Future Automated Mobilities Symposium, titled Swedish Initiatives in Automated Mobilities. In this session, we're joined by Marlon Lebecker from Volvo Cars and Dr. Magnus Berquist and Professor Vicky Fors from Halmstead University to spotlight some of the interdisciplinary initiatives, research and collaboration taking place in Sweden around future automated mobilities. I'm really excited to bring my colleagues from Sweden here to speak to you about the work that they've been doing there and some of the work that I've joined them in because... Um, We've been working together for many years now, and the, the work really has been a world first in, in so many of the projects that have been developed between Halmstad University and Volvo Cars and other organizations in, in Sweden. And I, I'm really excited to, for them to be able to present it to us here and to discuss it. So thank you, everybody. We'll um, jump in first with uh, Magnus, who if you'd like to briefly introduce yourself and your role in Yeah, so I'm Magnus Bergqvist. I'm a professor of informatics at Halmstad University. And uh, I will, in this context, talk about uh, a funder uh, that is funding a research project that many of us are involved in called the Open and Sustainable Mobility as a Service Project. Should I start directly? This is good. Okay. (laughs) Start. Um, I don't look there. No, okay. Okay, so I want to start by inviting you to a future world called Sharetopia that might happen or might not happen or might already happen, but we don't know it. Uh, and in the Sharetopia, the future world, uh, there is a uh, ecological collapses that has put hard restrictions on both business travel and personal travel. And that has made governments um, uh, create a carbon credit budget. So each citizen get a monthly budget that they can use. They cannot use more. They cannot sell it. They cannot give it away. Um, And um, business will be built a new business model based on people's motivation to reduce the carbon credit spending. Uh, For example, through sharing. We are now in a service that has been developed for Shertopia. Um, uh, And our persona here is Morgan. He's a student. He lives on the west coast of Sweden, a city called Varberg. And um, he's a driver for a shared mobility service. the reason he wants to be that is because he wants to decrease his CO2 credit spending so it will last longer. Um, and what is happening here now is that um, uh, Morgan is going to travel to visit some friends. And um, uh, so he signals his availability for people interested in traveling, traveling from Varberg to another place. And, um, this is uh, what, the, what the app uh, in the car does, that it designs a route where he can pick up people and parcels. So uh, for each person or activity that he includes in his travel, he will divide his uh, CC spending. Uh, so you, um, here the app has created a route for him. It has optimized. Um, 
the, the way that it's going to travel. And um, um, based on various sort of AI algorithm calculations for the best road to take, uh, weather, hills, up and downs, etc. And now he's uh, out driving and he has left off some people and now he's going to, to leave off a parcel. Autonomous driving, of course, he can uh, do some studies or sleep while he's out. And now he has uh, arrived. Uh, the system says, thank you, Morgan. Hope to see you soon again. And then we see that he has only spent, uh, um, compared to if he had gone uh, on his own in the car, he has only spent like uh, a few carbon credits. So we, we think of this as a world where we have a different logic, different business model, different ways of, of uh, thinking around mobility. Uh, and we have created in the project uh, four future worlds uh, where we sort of implemented the Sheratopia, but we also have other words called circular capitalism, sustainable parish, and mobility incorporated. Uh, but behind these worlds, we have developed um, a framework called the Tension Framework, uh, we, where we have done a lot of research to identify tensions between different aspects related to mobility so that we can try out services, how they will be affected by different future scenarios. And we are doing this in the project that we call OSMAS, uh, how to design open and sustainable mass solution. And this is a particular project called a Synergy Project funded by the Knowledge Foundation, which is a Swedish funder. And the Synergy Project is a category or, or, or a type of projects that the Knowledge Foundation has, has created. And I want to talk a bit about this funder and how they work with different types of projects and how we are using them to build a strategy around smart mobility at Hunter University. Um, and we have in this project, uh, when we think about how to design open and sustainable more solutions, we have four different perspectives. Um, and one is design ethnography, which Mike is leading. And you've heard a lot about that, how the importance of taking the user perspective and getting the users into the, to the design and the thinking around the services. But we also have business design, and this idea was that there is a new category of business models here. We have technical design, AI, machine learning, the technical aspects of optimizing travels, and we have service design that puts everything together into a service so that we can imagine how uh, we might work with, with the design of, of uh, more solutions in the future. Uh, and we have several frameworks that we have developed for that. We, we do this in collaboration with uh, four companies. It's Volvo Cars, it's not Marlin, uh, and uh, it's Polestar, and it's a wireless car that does uh, data analysis uh, from cars, and it's DevaTeam, uh, which is a company that uh, works a lot with uh, processes for projects and designing um, uh, various uh, technical solutions for, for how we can imagine and create these services. And we also have a municipality, Varberg, a city that is undergoing a lot of change now in terms of mobility. And uh, the KK Foundation that um, 
uh, funds this project, um, they are uh, only they they only fund projects that are collaborative between industry and academia. Uh, and um, they have also something called KK Environment, which we at Hansa University has been for 10 years called Research for Innovation. And it's like a 10-year investment that the Knowledge Foundation do with universities that would like to profile themselves within certain areas. Um, and um, the industry collaboration is a, is a you, 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 uh, all the projects that are funded by this funder uh, needs like industry collaborations. Um, and they do that on in-kind basis. So it's important that the research uh, develops um, kind of, uh, research questions that the companies feel that we want to tap into that. Uh, and we want to put resources in terms of people into these projects. Um, and um, the public sector can be involved, but they cannot uh, provide uh, in-kind into the projects. And uh, here are uh, just a, a, a set of examples of types of projects that we have been using over the years. Um, we have a smaller research project called Berg Projects. We have Avance, if you want to develop education programs. Uh, postdoc projects, we have recruitments. Uh, for instance, uh, associate senior lecturers, we have one here, Lena sitting down there, who came to Hamsta uh, in a project like that. We have the synergy projects that I just talked about, complex, large research projects where you need collaboration, both interdisciplinary and with industry. Uh, we have expert education, uh, where we have a, a new large project uh, around that with um, a lot of companies who want to develop their competence in applying AI and how to create value with AI using services, which is not obvious because there's like a technical development that is not always implemented into value creating services. We have industry research schools and you just heard Thomas, who was one person and Kaspar also in a research school that we have. And we, then we have the, the research profiles and the KK environment. So these are like different uh, ways that we can build a strategy for the university around profile areas. And we are in the area of smart mobility, which is part of our larger profile called smart cities and communities. And just some, some uh, concluding uh, reflections around this. Um, I think that the important thing of, of using this kind of funding and, and doing this kind of research project is uh, to have like a mutual learning that us as researchers, we have access to real cases and uh, to other research specializations. And the companies, they get research-based insights and knowledge. I think the second important thing is that we can challenge each other because we, we, live, we live in different worlds and we need to create these uh, meeting places so that uh, we can rethink the obvious truths both from the research and the industry uh, perspective. And I mean, the, the last uh, session talked a lot about that. Um, and also to increase the relevance of knowledge for all involved so that we have like, um, good research questions for the future. Thank you so much, Magnus. Um, and that was brilliant, I think, interesting for us in Australia to actually understand how that model works and 
and why it's so important. So I'll hand over to Viking now. Oh, okay. I don't know how to tell these, this story without being boring. <laughs> I was just thinking of how to, to introduce you to this. Uh, but I've got many questions from people in Australia just the last two or three days about how come you can find this kind of funding that funds a weird project like the AHA project. Where do you get the money to do that? And it is actually funded by uh, Drive Sweden, which is a, a Swedish governmentally funded initiative. And um, the vision is to develop future mobility for all. In Sweden, uh, there is a very sort of, there are initiatives to create these common innovation goals. And we have 17 of them identified at the moment. Um, strategic innovation programs, programs, and all of them are based on multi-stakeholder, interdisciplinary work around particular areas. And why um, AHA project is there is because I was actually invited or nominated into the program office of Drive Sweden as the first ever social scientist. They didn't know what they were doing, but it has resulted in a couple of things, not only by me, because I was not the first, sort of the only person coming in. Uh, now we have a wide diversity of people, you know, from, at least from educational background um, in the program office. So the task is actually to help Sweden to become, you know, interesting internationally from all these 17 programs and to drive, you know, to, to fund innovation programs, to find research and development that actually creates a platform for Sweden to sort of be in the forefront. And Sweden is not a big country. So uh, when they create these kind of areas or, or profiles or networks or whatever you call them, things start to happen really fast. And uh, what happened in Drive Sweden uh, for the last years? When I started off there six years ago, uh, it was all about tech. It was all about engineering. And there was a small, small, um, you know, like uh, just one dot that said, we need to think about society too. And through the years when new people have come in, this is what has been created. So Drive Sweden is built of these five bits, business models, um, society planning, digital infrastructure, policy development, and the bit that I got to lead, uh, public engagement. So we actually think that to create future mobility solutions for all, all these bits needs to be innovated on. And I'm actually quite proud that I've been part of, of creating this wider view on what is needed for Swedish innovation when it comes to this area. Um, now I'm not in the program office anymore. I've done my deed there. <laughs> I'm, I'm in other places ripping things apart. <laughs> but um, I just want to show you, not that one. This is where Dry Sweden have partners at the moment. And these are all the partners that was, that was 2021. And what I want to show with this picture is not all the names but it's actually um, the diversity of partners. There are people, there are cities, startups, 
big businesses, small businesses, uh, governmental uh, agencies, and all these people meet up within this innovation program. And that's where these kind of projects, I'm pointing at the posters, can happen. Um, right, so uh, I've, I'll just end with, in public engagement, uh, we've done a lot of work on accessibility for all, but also demos, because the idea is that lets people know that these things are happening. And then co-creation, which is the AHA projects that have been funded through the years with the strategic money. Um, and I'm so happy to have my team here who's actually going to let you work on, on um, uh, materials that we produced in that project around co-creation. Yeah, thank you. That was me, I guess. Thanks, yeah. Mike. No, I think it's like what you've done in that program has been really remarkable, actually. So, yeah. And then we'll move over to Malin. Yeah. I'm actually in the board of Dry Sweden, so that's a good one. <laughs> Let's put on. And uh, we miss you, so I wonder who will replace you. Um, but I am more of a, I didn't know what to say, but from the industry side, we can flip to my little page. Uh, I just want to say that in our company, my company, Volvo Cars, it's really, really important to have loads of interactions with universities. And this is a bit of a brag page, I must say, because you can see we are on the top of all automakers on release papers. <laughs> we are. And I don't really understand this measurement, but I guess you academics know that. But it is really strange measurements of the publications towards the million euro. But at least we are there and we really see, and here I must say that we engineers have done a very great job because we live in a symbiosis with the universities. Since we started at Volvo 1927, we have been working closely with universities because we cannot live without each other, I must say. We make sure we have research in the front end on tech and then we can bring that back with research when we can produce it in mass production. And then we give, then we come in with new money, we grow, and then we have this going around. But what have happened now is that we need to do the differences. We need to move out of just engineering. So we have, at the moment, we have 35 PhD students. Usually it's around 40. I don't know why we have gone down, but we are around 35 to 45 PhD students or every year at Volvo Cars. And what is also very fun with these PhD students is that we say they do study 80% and they work with Volvo 20% throughout their PhD. And that creates that they do the PhD in five years instead of two, but also make sure they actually go through. A lot of companies do 50-50, and then the company starts to demand quite a lot of stuff and they and you can see they fail of actually making it through. So what we really want to have it, we want them to have the PhD and come back to Volvo with, with the knowledge they have and really come back 20% to drop and really be included as a knowledgeable person into some projects. That is how we handle a lot of PhDs. But now we have really, we have had so many PhDs on the car itself, how to, you know, better suspension, get better friction inside the engines, you can see whatever. But now we moved into 
with Vike's help in a lot of ways, with ethnography, for example, we're looking into behavior and mobility in different ways. So we, now we have also persons in, I was thinking, I don't know if he's here today, the guy, well, the professor that talked about safety yesterday. Uh, he had a very long last name. No, it was the guy who was in the safety yesterday, talked about. I just want to say that we have one of the coolest PhDs we have at the moment is a girl, she's in neuroscience, and she's actually studying on the frustration of the person in traffic, how that affects the brain, and if we can take that out. And because when it comes to safety, you know, Volvo is a safety brand, uh, we cannot do much more on tech, but we need to talk about the people and the behavior. And now we try to see what is affecting when you are frustrated in a car and in the traffic. And can we do something about that, but making you drive more safe? She's into that. And then we have the, the first PhD student in a business school as well. He looks at the markets at the moment. He looks at, because we all here, we're talking about that we have a different kind of a market out there now. We're going for mobility. We're not going to sell cars. But what, we, what are we doing from company then? A lot of people is talking about this. But we're not really doing anything. We're not really changing the government structure. We're not really doing the difference and pushing. Still, we are kind of in the same behavior still. And this guy is really into going in and research the market change and what is affecting us and why is that happening that we all talk about. So we have quite a lot. And I just want to say this is, uh, to be in a, a symbiosis with the universities is so important for us in the industry. Because we cannot, I think we cannot live without each other. And we make so much better products for the world if we do it together. So that is my view of it. And Volvos, of course. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Marlin. Yeah, I've personally been so impressed when I discovered that Volvo had this PhD program, right? Which is, yeah. Amazing. Okay, so do we have any questions on the floor? Yeah, Gerard. Uh, hi, Gerard Goggin from University of Sydney. Thanks so much for, for you know, so openly discussing um, you know, this is the, the programs and so on. It's fantastic. So I, I had a question about um, the importance of policy frameworks. Because you're talking a lot about the interaction, obviously, between, say, Volvo and other companies and players and research. And I'm wondering, on the disability panel this afternoon, the extent to which policy frameworks in, say, Swedish context around accessibility are important, not just for, say, a participant like Volvo, but other participants in the ecosystem, and then across the new ecosystems of micro-mobilities, cars, and so on. Um, because it, in what you're discussing, I probably missed it, right, but those research priorities around future accessibility, are they keyed into Swedish government or other priorities around the importance of access for different groups? Well, I can um, <clears throat> have a go on that. Uh, in Dry Sweden, uh, we have a policy lab uh, where because governments are strong, the government is strong in Sweden. We have actually a, a sort of a, there is a, there are agencies that you can work with as industry. And I remember we were, um, uh, Dry Sweden was presented in, in Silicon Valley 
And in the US, they were just um, surprised that the government actually is a player <laughs> and that industry takes that seriously. Uh, and that the government has such a strong power in just putting in policies. No, we're not having privately owned cars anymore in this area. So what are you going to do about it? And uh, <laughs> what we've seen is that in the policy lab in, within Dry Sweden, uh, there is this dialogue going on that no more, um, no more bad implementations like the uh, e-scooters, where policy was not in place, when it was handed out to the public. And now uh, policy is in place and the e-scooter companies are in trouble. <laughs> so we don't want that anymore. Uh, when I say we now, it's not like my university or my, I'm, I'm talking from dry Sweden perspectives, right? And you talked, Molin, about that you yesterday or someday, you talked about that you actually don't do anything anymore without talking with the city uh, with the city government. Yeah. Now we have, and the policies are very, I think policy is included in almost every project if it goes outside the policies of today. So you really need to look into that and really make sure. So policy labs are very, very important. And uh, yeah. I and uh, just to add also about the, what it brings into the discussion are the more societal values that we want to create with mobility, uh, that mobility is much, much more than just transporting people from to or from work, or whatever you have, what kind of image you have, right? It could be to actually decrease segregation in a city. How would you do a service that helps us to do that? Or uh, now with the hype around the 15-minute city, have you heard about that? Yeah, there's this idea of creating uh, smaller blocks or super blocks like in Barcelona where you don't have privately owned cars in there and when you live there you have everything within you know like a seven minute radius so you don't have to move over there and obviously when that idea came into like a policy lab situation or or these kinds of cross-sectoral um, uh, discussions obviously the question was okay so are we creating new ghettos are we doing gated communities here or what's happening? <laughs> and that was, that was like, oh yeah, all right, again, we're just talking about the middle uh, layer uh, in class, right? Or upper layers, because they want to have gated communities. It's nice, I work from home, wonderful. I don't wanna ha take my car to, to the shops. So uh, these kind of questions have become really, um, you know, put on the table in a nice way. I'm, I'm sort of promoting this really hard now. There are problems. And there are reasons for why I sort of, uh, I need to leave Dry Sweden now to make others come in. Uh, because uh, it's not easy to create these situations. But what I like with Dry Sweden and the other innovation programs is that they actually try. Yeah. They try to do something, which is, is good enough in this world, right? And we change from government as well. We have a huge research fund called Fordons, what do you say about that, FFU. Uh, oh. It's for automotive uh, and trucks in Sweden because we have Volvo trucks, Volvo bus, and then me as Volvo cars, Scania, and we had before Saab, and now we have Einride, who is a uh, truck that is self-driving. 
So we have from government a huge uh, research fund from them just towards uh, the automotive business. Uh, but what have happened last year is that they told, we will change this now. If you are not doing a research program with many stakeholders, sorry, you're out. We need to move into mobility. So they also change. So suddenly I cannot really ask for money just creating a new engine anymore. Uh, I need to think of something else. So I want to say it's moving actually also from governmental side and pushing us to that we need to change. So, and that is, uh, so some of my engineers, they were kind of nervous when we had this, uh, what we call uh, FFI.2, <laughs> uh, 2.0, and uh, they were like, oh, can I not go through with my research anymore? But yes, you can. If you think of your research in the society, what happens? Do you affect anyone else, not just your little thing? So I think that is great. Thanks for listening. You can watch the full recording of this session on our YouTube channel by visiting admscenter.org slash YouTube.